for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning and welcome to Open Line. Happy Hump Day. And it's not any old hump day. It's uh, our favourite commercialised day, Rick. It's Valentine's Day. It's go and spend as much money on your partner as you can to show them you care day. So yeah, love day. And what's not to love about me, Rick and Gemma uh, being here for the next hour for you. We've also got guests, Basil Valentine. He's going to be here to update on Julian Assange. And we've got Alex uh, Armstrong, he's here to update on the Rwanda bill that's being passed in the House of Lords. Uh, so uh, let's get straight to it. We've got a story from Houston uh, this morning and the police department. This is a crazy one. Uh, they've uh, been a big shooting in the Lakewood Church in uh, a Joel Austin, Texas megachurch it is. We have a 57-year-old man that was shot in the hip, a seven-year-old child uh, that was shot in the face. The shooter was killed. And instead, the police department, they come out and uh, they do a press conference. And what's the most important thing? Not these shootings. It's very important, this one. We need to figure out the gender and the pronouns of the shooter. I'm not kidding. He actually does a whole speech about there's been an investigation. They've done interviews. They've had to talk to people. Um, they've managed to find out this was a really difficult one, that she is apparently female and that you should call her she and her, Rick. Are you happy we've got to the bottom of that one? Do you think that was a difficult one to figure out? What a what a story! Um, it, it's a strange one too. This uh, church that she uh, did the shooting in, I think also the kid that was uh, shot in the head was actually yeah. that was her son. Uh, there was an old man shot. She whipped out an AR-15 assault rifle apparently uh, before being overpowered by the church's security guards. Uh, very strange one. Uh, they focus in on the weapon that was used rather than the actual shooting itself, AR-15s. And as you know, they're trying to demonize those in America. And that church of Osteen. Uh, the Lakewood Church is such a racket. Uh, he's one of these horrific uh, TV evangelistic prosperity preachers masquerading as a Christian, uh, making literally coining millions upon millions upon millions of dollars every year, along with his wife, Victoria. Uh, such an insipid pair you're never likely to see. And last night I was sending you pictures of uh, various extremely dodgy uh, Christian mega cult church leaders, and they look like demons, demons in two legs. And Osteen happens to look like butthead, you know, if you ever watched Beavis and Butthead, he looks just like Butthead and he never stops grinning. Not to take away from what happened in the church, but it's an odd one. Given the church, given that he has his own entourage of security, it's weird that a woman just walked in with an AR-15. The only person that was shot and really badly injured was her son. Now the cops are coming out trying to scratch their little heads, trying to, what's this got to do with gender anyway? The bottom line was there was a shooting and people got injured. Uh, you know, what? why are they getting themselves tied up in knots about our, our pronouns? It's crazy now. But there was so much to tear apart in this story and uh, the article uh, that I read that was in the BBC as well. So he's got 10 million followers. I've never heard of this guy before. 10 million followers on X. That's how 
how big this guy is. Um, the uh, that that's the uh, guy that Joel Olsten, the mega church leader. Um, and then it goes on to say um, the police said she believed she might have had a family dispute with her ex husband because they were Jewish. Investigators said the attacker had Palestine written on the butt of her rifle, and they had uncovered anti Semitic writings. So not mm. only have we now got gender coming into it um i mean it says we we have no idea of the motive yet they're trying to put in here some anti-semitic vibes yeah this, there's just so much to tear apart joel Olsen gives a gives a um an interview in which he's grinning from ear to ear yep, if you want to see any sub is he never it's, stops it's, grinning he's He's literally talking about a shooter in his church and and somebody dying with a grin on his face. I've never seen anything like it, Rick. The other thing is, too, you talk about his 10 million followers on Twitter. In reality, followers on Twitter don't really uh, you translate into real world influence. OK, you know, you could have you, you and I could have 100,000 followers on Twitter. It doesn't pay us any money. Okay, but Osteen, the church that he's in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been investigating these thugs for a very, very long time. I think he bought an ex uh, basketball stadium that belonged to. Yeah. And I think the capacity for that church is 60 to 70K. That's Wembley Stadium every Sunday filled with people coming to hear him preaching and throwing money into his uh, golden begging bowls. This guy's been doing this for a very, very long time and his wife's in on it too. They're both New York Times multi-million best-selling authors as well. People are just lapping this crap up. I'm in the wrong business. I need to start a mega church. I need to get a garden shed somewhere and uh, put the old, you know, the old the old collar and the white thing on and start taking confessionals, charging maybe 10 quid an hour at least. Uh, I need to get on this racket I'm in the wrong job, Matt. What do you can, think? Can I join you? We have Rick and Nat's yes. confessions. I because I, oh. I want to get on the money. Sixteen thousand a seat a church. He got it from his dad. Now it's got forty five thousand, and that's just uh, weekly services. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not all the people that join in and pay online. I think yes. we're in the wrong game, Rick. Let's start the the, the, the uh, TNT church on. Thousand. You like Arsenal, you follow Arsenal, right? Just before we go to a break, right? You follow Arsenal. How many people are in, uh, how many people go and see Arsenal on a day? I'm pretty sure it's about 90. Yeah, I think the new one's about 90,000. Okay. Well, 90,000. So he's got half of Highfield coming to see him standing grinning he's not playing football he's on a stage on his own with a huge golden globe circling around behind him just grinning at people going and they're lapping it up yeah i'm in the wrong business i need to start being the new ones the emirates the the new ones the emirates have moved anyway just so it's just so before the arsenal fans get very upset uh we've got a new stadium now but we must move on uh we've got to take a quick pause uh before Gemma comes on here at today's news talk Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The important question here, Gemma, is would you join me and Rick's church? Would you be one of our <laughs> followers? That's a yes. That's a yes. Yeah, we've got, we've, got our first, yeah. we've got our first convert. Thank you and welcome, yep. Gemma. We'll send you your paperwork out after the show. Yeah, mm. uh, there's a subscription <laughs> fee as well, please. <laughs> that's that's yes. got to start, okay? Yeah, why am I feeling this This church of Rick and Nat is going to leave me skin as that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, so but other you'll be healthy you might... and you'll prosper and you'll have a good life. Yeah, and you get to see me and that grinning every day. Why I'm good not? at that. I can keep grinning. Uh, but what story have you got for us this morning, Jim? 
Well, it, it's an interesting one, actually, because the parallels of what you just talked about, and namely the disconnect there between what policing should be you know, in America and what policing is turning into in America, where you know, you've got a horrific attack like that and the police are more concerned with pronouns. And I do think, you know, as, as is lockstep in the Western world, that this is a, as, as a situation that's occurring you know, right across the globe. And there's a couple of stories here um, that have broken today that, that illustrate very clearly, I think, the disconnect between what policing now is in the UK and what justice is in the UK and what the people think policing and justice should, uh, should be. Now, the first story is a court case that happened yesterday. We'd already come off air here at TNT, the kind of UK arm of our broadcasting channel. Um, and it was a, a court case that happened in Westminster Magistrates Court in London yesterday in the afternoon. And it's the um, the story of the three people who went on a pro-Palestinian march in London last October, just seven days after Hamas went into Israel. Uh, and they were wearing images of paragliders on their clothing, and they were carrying placards with paragliders on as well. Um, and they were found guilty under the Terrorism Act yesterday of displaying imagery, arousing suspicion that they were supporting a terrorist group. They were found guilty, uh, but they've been a, they've, the, the judge has come under fire uh, because the, he is basically not giving them a sentence. They're saying that people are saying today that they've got away without punishment. Uh, so it was a two day trial for the three women they were found guilty. The prosecutor said it was no coincidence whatsoever that they used these images so close to, to the attack. Uh, they knew what they were doing, uh, but the judge, even though they were found guilty, the judge said he has decided not to punish the trio and has instead given them a 12-month conditional discharge. Now, a conditional discharge in the UK is basically the crime is warranted to be so minor that you don't get a sentence, you get a discharge. Now, this is a conditional discharge, which means it's come with a few conditions. It basically means behave yourself, don't do it again, and we'll forget about the whole thing. So that it's, a, it's considered a minor offence. So there's a disconnect between being prosecuted under the Terrorism Act in the UK and it being considered a minor offence, and understandably today, you know, as a result of this court case, a lot of people are saying, "How can this? How can this happen?" Uh, you know, it's a prosecution under the Terrorism Act. It war warrants more of a sentence than a conditional discharge. But if you compare that story of uh, Met police officers in London, uh, the Met police is under fire like never before, as is policing in the UK as a whole. Uh, the the trust between the public. And the police has never been lower. We've seen lots of officers been uh, um, struck off and sacked for gross misconduct, including sexual assault, rapes, all kinds of things. So the Met Police this in the last couple of weeks have been accused of wasting police time and wasting police money and resources by targeting uh, buskers and preachers in central London. Uh, and with some force, you know, it's officers turning up en masse after the calls of one example, for, his, for example, is a group of preachers in West London were preaching the words of the Bible. Uh, somebody thought it was homophobic allegedly called the police a load of police officers turned up spent ages interrogating the preachers the preachers said look we're just passionate about what we're doing it all ended very amicably but it went on for quite some time and just a couple of weeks before a gospel singer who was in oxford street busking singing gospel church songs five met metropolitan police officers were called to her and told her you cannot sing church songs outside of a church environment which is wrong and Scotland Yard subsequently apologised. That altercation with five Met police officers, five, at a time when apparently the policing is short of resources, um, led to members of the public gathering around this busker and saying, look, why don't you go and catch some murderers and some rapists and some thieves and some real criminals and stop harassing this busker who's who's lovely and brilliant. She was singing these lovely songs. So you've got this real disconnect of what the policing system is turning into, what the justice system is turning into, and probably what the people who pay for that 
the service because we pay for it out of our local council tax levy. A proportion of that goes to policing in the UK. Uh, what the, what we think, we're the ones that fund it and we're the ones that pay for it. So it seems that the parallels now of what you're saying of policing in America and policing in the UK, what the training is and what they're being taught to turn up to and how to respond to events is far removed from what people think policing now really is. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Gemma. What do you, what do you make of this, Rick? Uh, is it a terror uh, offence? Um, paragl- you know, showing paragliding images for a protest? Let's, if we wanted to, right, if, if we wanted to, we could take any image at all and associate it yeah. with some horrible crime. So if you had a, you know, a, a catalogue with uh, kitchen knives in it, you know, you could say, well, you know, that's offensive to the yeah. victims of Ted Bundy or, you know, you get what I mean? You could, you could draw yeah, that from anywhere. There were a few people in that crowd and we all know that these protest guys that go on there's always people that are sent into the crowds to antagonize so if you have a huge protest in london for example and you send someone in there with a swastika who's got nothing to do with the protest the only thing that the media will zoom in on is the one person that's appeared with and they'll say the whole protest was uh, nazis and there were far-right hitler supporters it's not necessarily the case now yes these people might have been trying to ruffle feathers but at the end of the day, it was pictures on their backs, I believe, of paragliders. It's not like they actually hired paragliders and came in, you know, uh, like they did uh, during uh, the October attacks back in uh, Israel and in Palestine. So they've got off with a rap in the knuckles. And it's changed times as well for the cops when it comes to uh, gospel preachers. Believe it or not, I know this may be hard for you guys to believe, but I actually did a lot of uh, street preaching, gospel preaching, uh, both in Africa and over here. And I received death threats uh, for going into certain areas because of what I was doing. Right. So I told the cops, I was holding a meeting in a community center one time, and I told the cops, listen, I've been handing out flyers, inviting people to come with my telephone number on them. And the only calls I've been getting have been death threats. (laughs) So they actually sent, I'm serious. So they actually sent two police uh, out to my house to interview me, take a statement and uh, ask me what I intended to do. I says, I'm going to do it. Uh, I don't care if I'm threatened or not. I'm not going to be intimidated. So when I went ahead and did the, the meetings, they actually sent armed police and bodyguards uh, in uh, body armor with machine guns, I kid you not, uh, to stand either side of me in a community center when I was doing these. And you know what the strangest thing was? At the end of the first week, uh, one of the cops actually started coming to hear me at the little church that we were in as well. So I was being protected by the cops back in those days, whereas now, if I was doing the same thing, I could end up uh, getting the cuffs slapped on me and spending a night in detention. So they are strange, changed times, guys, uh, in the UK and Ireland. Very bizarre. I see. I told you you were threatening, Rick. People are scared of you, sending you death threats. Um, But uh, yeah, I was just uh, like kind of wrapping uh, this one up for me. There's something that just doesn't sit right about it. You know, we say that they can send people into protests. The fact that they didn't really get any punishment, you do wonder Mm -hmm. whether they were actually put in there. They knew this trial was going to happen, that, you know, they, they got let off. Uh, it just adds to the to the kind of movement and narrative that they want to shut down protests, that they want to let people not have a voice, uh, that anything can be offensive. So we will keep you up to date on this and obviously anything that comes along uh, from the UK police and, and the problems that they're causing at the moment. So, so thank you, Gemma, for bringing that one to us. We will uh, see you in the next hour and I will see you tomorrow. And uh, next, we've got Basil Valentine's here on today's News Talk. TNT's Kate Shimarani. I'm of the, the belief that your body can totally, 100% heal itself. If you remove the offending things, 
and you flood your body with what it needs. What do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake? You're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just going to serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, fluoridated, bromine, water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, TNT. Okay, very happy to be joined again by the one and only uh, Basil Valentine. Uh, Basil, we're going to be talking a little bit this morning about uh, the the build-up to the Assange hearing that's due to take place in London later on this month. And of course, TNT will be on the ground there covering everything live as it happens outside uh, the courts of justice. A few developments, uh, Baz. Uh, I was reading yesterday that the Australian government are now actually getting behind Assange. Uh, Albanese, the prime minister, is actually uh, backing the uh, move to bring him back to Australia after being very quiet about the whole issue for many, many a year. He never really spoke up to about uh, Assange until recently. And then yesterday, bizarrely, the headlines were dominated and I did a quick sweep this morning about some art dealer uh, has built some concrete uh, holding pen with acid built into the walls. And if Assange dies in prison, he's going to destroy works of art worth 45 million, saying that these are worth more than a man's life. An awful lot going on in and around this Assange business, probably more attention than it's had uh, in many a year. Uh, what's the latest uh, from your side of the fence? Yes, you're right, Rick. Matters are really coming to a head. It's next Tuesday and Wednesday, the 20th and 21st of February, uh, less than a week away now, that the hearing at the Old Bailey begins, uh, where it will be decided whether or not Julian is given leave to appeal. So basically, at the moment, he's heading for the United States and 175 years in a supermax prison. Unless, of course, the Americans decide to drop the charges or the UK Home Secretary, which if he had any honour, he would, he would throw the case out and release Julian immediately. But as it is, Julian is on course to be extradited. What will be decided next week is whether or not he has the chance to appeal the current ruling. If he is given the chance to appeal the current ruling, uh, then all logic and humanity demands that he be released on bail. He poses no flight risk and he poses no threat to anybody. The court mm. can set conditions of bail, which may include him uh, not being able to work for WikiLeaks or whatever they want. But there's no reason at all why he should continue to be held like a terrorist in solitary confinement in Belmarsh. 
Uh, but of course, all of that will be irrelevant if he is not granted leave to appeal. If he does not win uh, his case next week, then he could be spirited away to the United States in the very near future. And if that happens, Basil, anyone that's been following this case uh, over the last few years, the conditions in Belmarsh Prison are as bad as they get. It's an absolute hellhole and he's being held under uh, maximum security restrictions there. He's aged terribly. His health is completely gone. Uh, he's losing his mind in there, arguably. He's being tortured to death. He is being tortured to death, effectively, at the minute by the British government. And if he is extradited over to America to face, effectively, uh, the rest of his life or to, to die in an American super Max facility, you know, the American government have made some uh, statements to say we promise uh, we'll look after him when we get him over there. We promise that uh, we won't be too hard on him when we get over there. But we all know uh, life in a supermax prison in America isn't particularly pleasant, especially when you're facing a 175 year stretch. Well, the, the you know, this ADX supermax Florence or something is an absolute hellhole. Um, it's a living death in there, and it's not much better for Julian. Uh, it's just struck me, really, that uh, Belmarsh, and particularly the wing where Julian is being kept, is the modern equivalent of the Tower of London. You know, if we go back to medieval times, people were thrown in the tower, and it was uh, one step away from having your head chopped off. Uh, and even if your head wasn't removed, uh, it was a horrible place to be. And that's effectively where Julian is. He's in a, the modern day version of the tower. Uh, I want to draw attention to a couple of other things quickly. Um, first of all, a, a lovely quote from Julian. Uh, it is from the revelation of truth that all else follows. Our buildings can only be as tall as their bricks are strong. Our civilization is only as strong as its ideas are true. And in the current climate, not just Julian's case, but all the various lies that surround us in the public policy, those words have never been more relevant. Mm. Natalie, this seems to be a, a you know, a, a, there'll be a precedent set no matter what happens as the outcome of this. And of course, we're uh, we're hoping uh, that the right thing is done by Assange on the 20th and the 21st. And, you know, he's not extradited. They're not going to give him permission to be taken away. But he's being really, really set up as a scapegoat and maybe a warning uh, to other people. Like the, the, the chances of the American government dropping this are slim to zero. And uh, obviously the British Home Secretary could have done something tonight, but they haven't. Uh, is this meant to put the frighteners on other people that step outside their journalistic boxes uh, and get too close to the bone when it comes to the reporting. That could be you next in Belmarsh. That could be Basil chucked into the Tower of London. That could be me. Uh, they're, they're screaming off with his head in a journalistic sense. What do you make of it, Nat? I think he's been used as an example, but, but I also think at the moment they're treading a very fine line because if Assange was to die in prison, he would become an ultimate hero anyway. Uh, that you know his death would 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 mean he would be forever uh, remembered. Um, I don't think that would do them any favors by setting an example, like Basil said uh, originally um, at the start. I think it would be much better for him to be released. I mean, for the right thing to do, but I feel that they might do that possibly with conditions that he's never allowed to talk in the media never allowed to give his side of the story uh that would still set an example i don't know what you think basil but if he was to die in prison i don't think that would look good on any of the authorities or the governments do you 
Well, you know, we've got a terrible look in Gaza at the moment with a genocide going on, and they don't seem yeah. to care what that like mm. looks like. And that's yeah. why this uh, Russian artist and, and art dealer is threatening to destroy these works of art. Um, I, Andre Molodkin, he's set up this vault with uh, a vat of a corrosive substance and then an accelerator and all these works of art, which include Picasso and Rembrandt, um, will be destroyed. And I, when I first saw that, I thought, this is absolutely dreadful. What's the point of this? But, you know, his key point is that people are more upset about that than the destruction of a human yeah. being. And that's a very important point. Uh, a couple of other things I want to mention. First of all, we at TNT, today's news talk, are, of course, heavily involved uh, with supporting Julian. We will be in the Strand next week, setting up shop as close to the Old Bailey as possible, and we will be broadcasting live and direct from there, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Uh, and we are also sponsoring a screening of a new film, The Trustfall, Julian Assange, a feature documentary. And the screening is at the Rio Cinema in Dalston on Sunday at one o'clock, and is followed by a Q&A with the director and special guests who I'm given to understand may well include Stella Assange. So uh, I'll be there. And if you come along, feel free to come up and say hello. That's The Trustfall at one o'clock on Sunday at the Rio Cinema in Dalston. Uh, one last thing, just before I would just nip to the break, if people, maybe some, uh, because the UK audience uh, doesn't, you know, we're not up 24 hours a day and we have a presenter at TNT, Misty Winston, uh, who's an absolute authority and guru on all things Assange, a real hardcore campaigner and has been for years and years and years. Uh, she first came on the uh, Locked and Loaded as a guest, uh, ended up getting herself a gig with TNT and she has been labouring feverishly uh, to bring awareness of uh, the Assange case to light. So if you don't already do so there's a tip for all you listeners out there check out on playback or sit up at night and listen live to misty winston the misty winston show and this is never far from her lips either basil she's also a fantastic source of information on what's going on with this uh this particular case yes absolutely i'm a big fan of misty um and uh, to find out more about this film go to www.thetrustfall.org and uh if you're in Australia or New Zealand, get in touch with them and host a screening. Why not? Mm. Not. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I, don't, I thought you were finishing, Rick. So uh, no, we've oh, got sorry. to go to the head. So we've got to go to the headlines. Uh, but make sure uh, you check that out. Make sure uh, you can try and get down to London on the twenty-first and twenty-second as well. And uh, we've got to go to the headlines. We've got Alex Armstrong next on today's news talk. I got a news flash for you. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The US Secretary of Homeland Security has been impeached by the House of Representatives over his failure to address the country's immigration crisis. President Joe Biden's taken a swipe at Donald Trump after he threatened to abandon NATO countries who failed to pay their share of the bloc's defence costs. And roads leading into India's capital of New Delhi have been sealed as thousands of farmers in their tractors make their way towards the city. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Welcome back to the show. Don't forget you can call me and Rick at the end or you can get on our online chat and get involved. But welcome back now to Alex Armstrong. You can follow him at Alex H. Armstrong. He's a political commentator. He used to work used to work in Parliament for the Shadow Secretary of Transport. He's here today to talk about the latest news on the government's Rwanda bill. Uh, the peers in the House of Lords will begin yet another day of detailed scrutiny today. Debate began on Monday. Alex, what's the latest? Is there actually any chance at all of anybody being sent to Rwanda at this stage? Uh, it just seems less and less likely every week. I mean, I can't believe we're still talking about this bill. I mean, it's been going on yeah. for months, years, God knows how long. I'm aging every every time I hear about it. But Natalie, as you said, it's an it's t- the second of three days of reading this bill. So the Lords are taking it line by line, literally line by line. There's over 100, 100 amendments going forward to this bill, which they're then going to have to vote on as well. The Lords, which are, you know, are full of donors, political donors and activists that have not been elected by the people, are doing everything they can to frustrate the only piece of legislation, the only piece of legislation that is trying to deter illegal migrants and illegal asylum seekers from coming into Britain. But it seems whatever they do, whatever the government is trying to do, which I applaud them doing something that I think that this is the, you know, this is going to work. But I applaud them trying to do something. But the Lord seemed to be completely up in arms about this. And uh, they called the law. They, they said that this law is attributed to despots and autocracies. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? So I. The, the big I tried to watch a bit yeah, of it yesterday, Alex, I'm, like a short clip, right? Now, I'm just, I'm going to say it how it is. I come from a council background. Oh, my goodness. It was just a bunch of posh, upper class, elderly yeah. people in suits talking with a, like a silver spoon in their mouth, right? They're supposed to represent us. They've probably never been to Rwanda. They haven't got a clue what the general public uh, would want or care about. Is this system fair? They're unrepresented. It, surely at this point, this is outdated. We we need a new system, don't we? This House of Lords, has it got any t- place in today's modern world? Absolutely not. Not in my opinion. I mean, I I can't believe that there's a system in this country, what's meant to be the mother of democracies, where we have unelected people shipped in because they donate the most money to a political party. I mean, it's literally corruption in front of your face. Um, It it really shocks me to the core. Uh, I'm I'm one of those people that thinks that people that elect a, a representative to go to government should be the ones that say, Right, here's the law. Here's what we want. I mean, the British public have been voting for this for over a decade to reduce immigration. The Tories, 14 years, let's not forget. And finally, they've got a bill. And now the unelected guys are going, no, we're not having it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Britain. We're not we're not going to give you a single law uh, to protect your country and, and kick out yeah. illegal migrants. The bombshell that happened yesterday is that the just so you guys know, so your listeners know, is that the Lords came around, the Lords were reviewing this bill. And they said, well, 
actually, we can't declare this a safe country because Rwanda hasn't put the guardrails in yet. So they're just going to find every little detail that they possibly can to stop this from happening. I, you know, it baffles me every time, Natalie. It really does. <laughs> and I was going to say, Rick, it does seem a little bit of a trolling job at this stage. If you listened, if you listened to some of that debate, like you said, a hundred amendments, and it's just like a bunch of old tops going, "What? Oh, 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 the right honourable gentleman again? Oh, I didn't. Can we discuss this point? Oh, 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 let me sit down. Okay, oh, 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 I've just forgotten what I'm going to say. It was literally like this. Are they trolling us, Rick, at this point? Where would it go on for another like? Like couple of months with these old people talking about they will you know from one they will the ring other. it out they will ring it out like a sponge not like we've been talking about this literally for two years you and i when you used to come on as a guest and locked and loaded we yeah. talked about this in 2022 when they first yeah. punted this idea around and the question was back then is the same question uh alex why rwanda why rwanda i used to fly to uganda all the time uh between 2007 and 2018 on the on the sky map uh that you would be on when you departed from Heathrow all the way down into uh, uh, Entebbe Airport and Uganda's right beside Rwanda, you look at the sky map and you look at all the European countries that you fly over, you fly over France, you fly over Italy, then you cross uh, over to North Africa and you're passing by Libya, you're passing by uh, Sudan and then you go all the way down to Rwanda. Why are they pushing people all the way down to equatorial regions when there's so many other countries they could go to in the interim period and if there's a bung involved, which of course there will Will be these uh, the Rwanda aren't just opening their uh, doors allegedly or potentially uh, because of uh, love and compassion. There's money in it there somewhere. <laughs> Surely they could have found somewhere a little bit closer to home than bloody Rwanda. Well, you know the thing is, Rick. Right. So I, I agree with you. There's. I mean, look. If we're talking about asylum seekers coming from Arab countries as well, right? Why aren't the Arab countries taking them in? They are a better cultural fit. I mean, we've even got e yeah. Egypt putting up an armored wall around Gaza to stop. That stop people from Gaza getting into their country. It's back. It's completely crazy. They're allowed to do it, but we're not allowed to have safe borders. It's crazy, isn't it? The thing about Rwanda that 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 drives me nuts is that the UN send refugees there, and then they've got the audacity to tell us that we can't do it. How can it be the situation that the United Nations can send refugees to Rwanda, but the British people can't? It, it's crazy. So it, whilst I agree, there's lots of other countries that would be willing to take them in. Rwanda doesn't seem like the worst place to send them if the UN are happy to send them there. It's I mean, not. Kind of I've been there and it's not a bad place. Yes, like every country in the world, there's little pockets of deprivation where you could go and get shanked. But surely it's as probably you're more likely to get shanked by a bunch of chavs in London than you are in Kigali. In Rwanda, <laughs> I would feel safer personally walking the streets of Kigali than I would walking down London, mate. London, you know, I mean, eh, eh, eh. no thanks. I'll take my chances with Rwanda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just going to say before we go, um, uh, Alex, as well, you know, the prime minister says, you know, his top priority, one of the five is to stop migrant crossings, apart from the barge in Rwanda. We're not actually seeing him do anything. Surely what the British public are asking for is actually a tightening of the border, aren't we? We, we don't really want people being sent anywhere. We just don't want them coming in. That's the real answer, isn't it? Look, that, that completely nailed it, Natalie. And this, we've yeah. been asking for this for decades. I mean, let's face it, not only did the, the Tories promise this since David Cameron getting tens of thousands down to the legal migration, let alone illegal, which is in the 30, 40,000, but we also had Brexit, which was a big sign from the British people to say, 
We don't want any more of our borders being controlled by bureaucrats. And we're still there. I mean, how have they not how have they not taken the opportunities that the British public have afforded them? And then they should be slung out with the rest of them, in my opinion, the Tories. But they've, they've done a terrible job. But yeah, this is you're, you're right, Natalie. That is the crux of it. We don't want to send people to foreign countries, but just don't come here at all. Yeah, and that, and and I don't really know uh, what they're doing about that because, as you said, it seems to be okay for other foreign countries. You know, you've not got uh, Rishi Sunak coming out and saying, "Oh, Egypt shouldn't be doing this." Uh, it's okay for other yeah. people to put their borders up, but uh, not okay here, not okay in Ireland, and we have to keep uh, welcoming in as many people as possible, despite it killing our economy, yeah. uh, using all our services, and we just have to smile and uh, so we get called racist if we don't if we don't allow it uh, but thank you Alex for coming on yet again hopefully we can have you back again soon uh, don't forget you can follow him at Alex H Armstrong and uh, we've got lots more stories to cover after the break at today's news talk Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. One of the more amazing things I've seen recently took place last week at a Senate hearing looking into social media and the negative effects it has on our children. Here's Senator Josh Howley confronting Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I don't action. Think it's appropriate to talk about it, it, like individual it's not appropriate. decisions. Do you know who's sitting like behind you? Holly then pointed out to Zuckerberg that in attendance were parents of children who have been harmed or, as he put it, are now gone. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I... I, I Zuckerberg getting up and apologizing, of course, too little, too late. But what we saw was virtually unprecedented. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, well, I'm definitely crazy. I don't know about Rick, but it's all good in the mm. TNT hood, as Rick says. Yeah, you can call us um, at the moment. So uh, get and tell us uh, your views. We've already talked about Tories with Alex Armstrong. Now it's uh, talking about Labour. They are in turmoil at the moment. Uh, a second uh, parliamentary candidate 
has been suspended uh, by the party for comments about Israel. One's already been suspended uh, from Rochdale by-election, Azar Ali. We've now got another uh, former MP, Graham Jones. He's also gone. Uh, I think he made uh, comments about, uh, it was about Israel saying that the some British people in the Israel Defence Force should be locked up. Uh, the other guy was basically suggesting, um, as others have done so, uh, that originally that the attacks on October uh, were possibly uh, in, incited by uh, Zionists who wanted to come into Gaza. Uh, he's not allowed to have that opinion. It seems uh, you're not allowed an opinion. We've discussed this a lot. This isn't just Labour. This isn't just Tory. Uh, there is a when you're in a member of a party, you're not allowed to have your own uh, point of view. You have to follow the party line. And the party line, particularly Kerr Starmer, says he has promised to tackle anti-Semitism, saying he would tear out the poison by its roots. He said he's had to stand by that. He sees this. Uh, these these two people as being anti-Semitic. Um, we've discussed before, we had David Miller on the show um, and uh, saying there is a difference between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Mm -hmm. But um, in, in the Labour Party, it seems that anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism are exactly the same. So you are not allowed at all to say a word about the word anybody that's Jewish, about any companies, any anything at all. So if you say that, uh, that, that you're going to be gone, basically, that's what they're showing you. So whether this I'm starting to think is a, is a possibly PR stunt to try and show that there is no anti-Semitism allowed in the Labour Party or people were just, you know, saying their saying their what they thought. I don't know, Rick, what you think of this one, but they're making it very clear. No anti-Semitism allowed. There's always a scramble, Natalie, for new expressions to label people with that are, you know, paint yes. them in a very, very bad light. It used to be racist. It's not enough to call someone a racist now. You have to be a far-right extremist. Uh, that That's the ultimate yeah. manifestation of a racist. Now, uh, anybody that questions what's happening in Israel or Palestine is potentially labeled as anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, a very protected class of people. When you contrast that, actually, just thinking about it with schools these days and workplaces that have people being brought in to educate their white staff members that they have white privilege or Irish privilege anywhere. Could you imagine the uproar if someone was to say, well, we want to have new training to say, you know, there's a thing called Jewish privilege or black privilege or Asian privilege. That would never wash. It only seems to be applicable to whites, for example. And let's face it, uh, when's the last time you heard a headline about uh, black privilege uh, classes being taught in predominantly black areas? Because it doesn't exist. You know, there's a postcode law that we have talked about before. If you're fortunate enough to be born in a certain area, you know, to affluent parents, you get a head start in life. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. But yet with all whites, for example, at the minute, you know, we get white privilege and you get Irish privilege and that's what they're teaching in Irish schools at the minute. If you say anything at all against what's going on with what Israel are doing against uh, Palestine, then all of a sudden you're labeled anti-Semitic or anti-Zionist or whatnot. Yeah. So this uh, meeting, uh, Mr. Ali, the first guy that was uh, said, uh, people in the media from certain Jewish quarters were responsible for the suspension of MP Andy McDonald, and he obviously went. And then the Jewish labor movement said, Mr. Jones' alleged comments, the guy we're talking about, were appalling and unacceptable. And they were pleased that Mr. Jones had been swiftly suspended. So 
Listen, I'm not uh, agreeing with everything everybody says, but this whole business of freedom of speech has to apply to every class of people. Uh, Jews, Asians, Muslims, Christians, atheists, Buddhists, call it what you like. You can't have one group that's demonized for speaking out against another, but they don't have any recourse for retaliation. So you either have freedom of speech or you don't. And in this but case, these guys are being very hardly clamped down on. It, it also seems to me, and it doesn't seem right, if you an elect an MP, you're electing that person and you're not electing the party necessarily. And it's and in this country, it seems you have to have a party line. So the politicians themselves aren't allowed any views and they're not allowed that freedom of speech. Uh, so yeah, you'll just be suspended if you don't agree with what's being said. And it makes me quite uncomfortable because obviously I don't agree with anti-Semitism. I don't agree with hate against Jews. I don't nope. agree with hate against any... Um, uh, race or religion but there is a big difference between hating against our, our, our whole religion and if you know if someone came into reading tomorrow and it happened to be a jewish person and and they stabbed 50 people right i'm going to make a comment to say that was wrong that wouldn't make me anti-semitic rick that mm -hmm. that would that would just be calling out what was happened, and uh, mm -hmm. you're seeming not allowed to do that. So it seems if if you know like this, what what we said uh, with David Miller about Zionism, if uh, it's you know the Jews or or a Zionist group does something, you're not allowed to call them out, mm -hmm. and that doesn't seem to be fair either. Everybody should be allowed to be called out. That's not just that's not just a Jewish community, a mm -hmm. black community, a white community, women, men. If someone's in the wrong, they should be allowed to be called out shouldn't they we should be able to they question should. things in a free democracy and people have a very short memory if you can uh, rewind back to 2020 and 2021 uh, when the first covid jabs were brought out israel was used effectively the netanyahu the prime minister uh, sold out uh, the population to be experiments for uh, pfizer and uh, demonized people uh, i think actually it was naftali bennett was the uh, PM at the time, and that, now it's Netanyahu. But nobody persecuted Jews in Israel more than the Jews in Israel uh, over the last three years when it came to vaccine passports, the Green Pass. Yep. Michael Gove was actually sent to Israel uh, to see how they were doing it, and then brought his findings back to these uh, COVID passes that they tried to implement in the UK to lock people out of society. People like you and me who refused to take experimental mRNA jabs, we were demonized and we were othered, and we were classed as the underclass of society, not to be allowed into bars, not to be allowed to sit indoors with our friends who had rolled up their sleeves. The same thing was happening in Israel at the time. And who were they persecuting there? Jewish people uh, by the Jewish government. So yeah, are they anti-Semitic as well? Is Naftali Bennett, uh, the ex-Prime Minister, anti-Semite? Is Benjamin Netanyahu an anti-Semite for persecuting uh, the, the people of Israel with uh, medical apartheid? Uh, I think not. That wouldn't even be entertained. As I've said before, you know, if these two particular uh, candidates had said something along the lines of, um, you know, I, I, I hope. I hope that um, the Israel army are all killed or, or I, you know, I uh, trying to actually incite a problem in the community saying we should all get together. Um, and, uh, you know, that that would be different, but they're not. They're given an opinion, you know, you know, mm -hmm. uh, on on a on a world event. And if we shut that type of conversation down, that's really worrying for the future. So, you know, it's that it's been celebrated that Keir Starmer has suspended them. I'm not sure it's as much cause for celebration. I think it just shows you that our voices are being shut down even further here in the UK. Uh, but from going for a rather serious uh, story there on anti-Semitism, we have to move to an absolutely. Uh, it's almost funny if it wasn't for the fact that that this is a, a 
actually true story. This is like something that you might that you might read in a in a comedy uh, sitcom. But yeah, a a member of the Garda uh, gave a bike that had been unclaimed to a elderly gentleman who couldn't get about in the pandemic. Uh, his, his bike didn't work. He couldn't get to the shops. And as a good community policeman, he actually helped out someone in the community. He's lost his job. He's under disciplinary. It's gone through the court. It's going to cost an absolute fortune. He might not even get his job back. This is red tape over common sense, isn't it? I've never read anything so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're losing your job to try help out an elderly gentleman in the pandemic mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. going through the courts what a nonsense and what message is that sending out you know one of the reasons why you know when you see sometimes attacks on people in public places and the questions always asked why do people just stand by and let these things happen okay and we went into this before one of the reasons why people don't act or intervene is because if i see you getting mugged for example in reading by a chaff all right or anybody for that matter and i decide to weigh in and save you or protect you okay number one i could end up getting stabbed in the neck and dying myself number two i could end up severely injuring the person that's attacking you and then i could get arrested or prosecuted as a result of it so because of fear of retribution for doing the right thing a lot of people don't do the right thing you know you see about these uh, subway attacks in new york where people are being uh, put up for murder because they subdued people that were threatening people in subways here we have a, a cop trying to do the right thing giving an old man a bike to get a bike because he was losing his mind during the covid scandemic lockdown years in ireland and now he's been suspended for three years and there's this listen we cover the shortage in recruitment yesterday we were talking about there's not enough people joining the police in ireland so they're putting the recruitment age up to 50 and here we have a, a, an officer suspended for three years in the middle of a recruitment crisis for helping out an old man and he faces a further wait for more disciplinary proceedings up to five witnesses still have to give evidence listen he How gives someone a costing? bite a shocking amount of money not like a shocking amount of money and the stress and the aggravation and, and tying up court time the court time as well the Irish courts are backlogged up because they all shut down during the pandemic as well or the scandemic pardon my language, but the, the, uh, they all shut down. So there's a backlog there too. It's just madness. But if you even go into the details, it's worse. This this uh, uh, Garda gentleman, he's nearing the end of an exemplary career, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. makes it even worse. And then he says um, all he'd done, he'd given to the bike, uh, to the man, it wasn't stolen. So it was literally not not just sitting there, mm-hmm. uh, but had failed to fill out the necessary paperwork. That's why he's been suspended for three years. And it says the Garda was only reinstated late last year following the completion of an MBCI investigation, which they found he had no criminal case to answer for. And yet this is still going through the courts. And we wonder why we can't get anybody uh, being recruited into the police, why the courts are backlogged, why we have no money uh, for the government. It's because they're they're following up with ridiculous cases like this. And it says that the poor uh, man has uh, been in such distress, which you would be, three years of going through this rubbish for trying to help someone and give them a bike that wasn't even stolen in the first place or claimed. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is an unbelievable story, Rick.
It is, but it's Ireland we're talking about where madness reigns, lunatics are, you know, running the asylum very much over here. And this is another example where a cop actually did something right by the community and he's being punished for doing that. So in my opinion, this is sending out a message as well. If you don't dot the I's and cross the T's and get all your paperwork right, doesn't matter if you're exemplary career, doesn't matter if you're coming to the end of a, a long time of service to your country, you're going to get suspended and you're going to be dragged through the courts and the taxpayer is going to be funding the bill. Absolutely ridiculous, Nolan. Yeah, red tape beats common sense, uh, mm -hmm. as it seems, in 2024. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, we've got a uh, we've got two hospital stories here, mm -hmm. one from Ireland and one fertility one. Rick? Let's go for Tilly. Let's hop across the pond over to, uh, well, for yeah. me, it's hopping across the pond for you. It's staying on your side of the fence uh, yeah. to do with uh, a fertility clinic, a heartbreak for women uh, at a prestigious uh, fertility clinic, NHS fertility clinic is a horrifying fault is feared to have destroyed their eggs, meaning they may now, now never be able to have children. And it took a year for patients to actually find this out. So again, this is affecting people's ability to have a family due to a blunder in another uh, NHS hospital, Natalie. Yeah, and it, it was uh, they did both. So it's a guys assisted conception unit. They have about two thousand patients a year. What's worse is it was covered up for a year. So uh, they realised there was a mistake. Uh, that it was a problem with the four process, a manufacturing glitch with some of the bottles of solution which weren't able to freeze. If they'd have let the patients know straight away, they could have tried to harvest more eggs. They knew mm -hmm. uh, they'd messed up. There was a problem. They didn't let the people know for a year so there's a good chance many of them will never be able to make more eggs or are now going to be infertile uh, all guys have said is we are supporting those who may have been impacted including through our counseling service and would urge anyone with concerns to speak to us directly via the dedicated phone line they've spoken about no compensation um as a victim someone said well are they going to uh, pay out for the cost of my new fertility treatment it doesn't look like it just a sorry and then the uh, reviews also said we're aware that this affected product has been distributed to other uk clinics so many other people may be affected and all it goes on to say is you might want to phone a clinic in case you think you've been affected so uh look it looks like another huge cover-up and many women are going to be left unfertile we're, we're infertile with no chance of having any eggs or, or, you know, having any children in the future. Uh, another terrible story, another huge problem um, and neglect and incompetence going on in these hospitals, Rick. And in this case, the worst thing is not the fact that they made the blunder in the first place, but the fact that they tried to cover it up and uh, brush it under the carpet for 12 months, which would have put these uh, ladies out even further still or completely blown any chance that they would ever conceive and have kids out of the water. It's like if you're a mechanic, uh, you know, and you're, you're, you're um, you know, fixing someone's brakes, for example, and by mistake, you, you know, you, you cut the brake, the handbrake cable. You don't you don't say, well, I'm going to try and cover that up and maybe Natalie won't notice it until no. she's driving down the road and then the next thing her car rolls backwards down a hill you say listen i'm sorry natalie i know i was supposed to fix your car but i actually wrecked your handbrake cable i'm sorry it was my mistake i'm owning up to it but listen we're going to fix it for you free of charge you tell people straight away and when it comes to their health and their body and possibly their future family hell's bells 
Why are they covering that, trying to cover that up for 12 months? It's criminal, if you ask me. It's criminal. Rather than them supporting uh, the women in question, they should be prosecuted for covering up medical negligence, not the negligence itself, because mistakes happen, all right? Genuine mistakes happen. But to cover it up and brush it under the carpet and, in fact, people's ability to have families, that's criminal. It is. And and then we think, Rick, this is one story. We covered the mesh story where there was another uh-huh. sodium, what was it? Uh, uh, an epilepsy drug, sodium high something. Uh-huh. Uh, that uh-huh. was That's free this week. Top that with vaccine injuries, uh-huh. right? This is just mega medical negligence after the next. Uh-huh. And in every single case, they have tried to cover it up. So, uh, you know, it ma- really makes me think, I don't want to go anywhere near a hospital. I don't trust no. these experts anymore. Uh, do your research, I should say. It looks like we've come to the end of the show. Uh, so I will be back tomorrow at 9am. Rick has got more guests next at Locked and Loaded. I'm going to go and uh, have a great day. It's half term. I've got my kids. I'm keeping busy, busy, busy. And uh, you go and enjoy your day out there to get out in the real world. Enjoy. And of course, I need to finish by saying bye bye.